0: It's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. And as followers of Jesus, the first things He asks us to do when we've answered the call to follow Him is He asks us to be baptized. The Bible says that we are baptized for the remission of sins. Uh, that preposition for here at this church, we define it like this. Uh, salvation is a gift from God. Amen? Amen? And because of that gift, we are baptized. It's like this. A wife is a good thing. A gift from the Lord. He who has a wife has a good thing. has obtained favor from the Lord, the Bible says. So if I go to the store for a loaf of bread, that's because I'm going there to obtain a loaf of bread. But if I go to the store for my wife, I'm going there because I have a wife that's asking to do something, right? And Jesus is the remission of our sins. He is our salvation. And so when we're baptized, we are baptized for Him. We're baptized because our sins are remitted. Because of that gift that's been given to us, we are baptized. Baptism is a picture of what Christ has done for us. He came and lived a pure life and died an unjust death and was buried and rose to walk in newness of life and to give new life to those who would follow Him. And so, as followers of Jesus, we have answered the call to follow His ways and not our selfish ways. It's death to our ways and life to His way, Amen. Amen. And so, in following His way, we are baptized, which is a picture of a grave. This, this is a watery grave up here. First candidate to be baptized today is Hannah Johns. Amen. I will follow you, Lord. Step down carefully. Have you answered the call to follow Jesus? Do you believe that He died for your sins? Do you believe that He's risen from the dead? All right. sit down. Hold your nose with one hand and your wrist with the other. Anna Johns, upon the confession of your faith and in obedience to the command of Jesus, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit. Planted in the likeness of Christ's death. Rising to walk in the news of life. Lord, we pray your blessing upon Hannah's life. Fill her to overflow him with your spirit. In Jesus' name. This world has nothing. Garcias. Come on up. Bring the whole bring the whole family. Yes. Wonderful. Follow Jesus? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he's risen from the dead? Alright. So be seated. Hold your nose with one hand and your wrist with the other. All right. Know me? Or see, upon the confession of your faith and in an obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and of the Holy Spirit. Planted in the likeness of his death. Jesus walk. Bless your Lord, Are you answering the call to follow Jesus? Do you believe that He died for your sins? Do you believe that He's risen from the dead? I hold your nose with one hand, your wrist with the other, and I'm going to hold both hands. I promise to bring you right back up there. Sarah Garcia, upon the confession of your faith and in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And of the Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of his death, rising to walk in the of That he has risen from the dead. Right. Candace of art, upon the confession of your faith and obedience to Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of his death. Rise to the Amen. Follow Jesus, sir. You believe that He died for your sins. You believe that He has risen from the dead. Raymond of Art, on the confession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and of the Holy Spirit, planted in the likeness of His death. And rising to walk in the newness of life. You, my mother, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The Lord has been doing unusual things in your life, hasn't he?
1: You're continuing
0: to answer the call to follow him. You believe that he died for your sins. You believe that he's risen from the dead as you can, There we go. All right. Your nose with one hand and your wrist with the other. Okay. Hands across your chest. Then. All right. Bill, breathe love. Upon the confession of your faith and in this fresh act of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father son the name that is above every name the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit planted in the likeness of his death rise the in the walk Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son to die for the sins of the world, so that whoever would believe in Him would not have to perish for their sins, but could actually be blessed with eternal life, forgiveness, and freedom from the penalty of their sins. If you find yourself beginning to believe that story that you've heard more than once. Saving faith is dawning on your heart. All you need to do is just step out in faith and call on His name and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe the good news, what's called the gospel. Save me. Make me new. You do that, He'll do it. When you do that, He'll put a desire in your heart to obey Him. And you want to be baptized because you're saved. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Those who believe are saved. Those who don't believe are not saved. You can be baptized as an unbeliever and it doesn't do any good. We are baptized because our sins are remitted. Just like I would go to the store because I have a wife that asks me to go. We are baptized because we have a Savior that asks us to go. Praise the Lord. Lord, we just thank You for this time of worship today. We pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to obey You in being baptized, Lord, that they would come forward at the end of the service and speak up, Lord, and we can celebrate this wonderful relationship we have by baptizing some more folks today. In Jesus' name, amen. we give the Lord some praise. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Jake, Karen, Jim Ray. Appreciate that.
1: It starts with a simple gift that carries a powerful message that God loves you and your greatest journey is still to come. It's Operation Christmas Child.
0: The power of a simple gift. We know here at Operation Christmas Child that God can take the shoebox that you have filled and that he can take that box and he can use it to transform lives.
2: For more than 18 years, Operation Christmas Child has been reaching children in over 130 countries with gift-filled shoeboxes and the Gospel. When they receive a box, it is a message of the Gospel because the box tells them that Jesus loves them. The opening of the box tells them of the hidden treasures that are in God's love and in the relationship that they will have with Jesus Christ. Operation Christmas Child is just like no other project. you got kids who receive absolutely nothing. It's been a rough for all of them. And this one moment in time. You can just see there's a that we
1: came for granted every day can change a kid's life. I see glow in their eyes. I see joy in their spirits. I and mean, you hear expressions of, oh, I wanted this all the time. I never had this. What's the Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. I turn to First Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. we say all things? Today we're going to focus on the last half of verse 4. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. We've shared earlier that love suffers long means that love is patient. Love is ready, if it's real love, ready to handle disappointments because of love. Ready to handle unmet expectations with graciousness. And ready to repent when yielding to impatient sins. And love is kind. It's ready to take advantage of needs that it sees. Not just waiting On someone to ask, but love looks for opportunities to help someone, to exercise kindness. And many times when you ask someone, may I help you? It's going to cost a whole lot more than what you're offering. It's true. I was here on a late, late Friday night and I was leaving and saw two kids walking up the driveway and I thought, okay, they're. uh, either scoping the place to rob us or they're just in the neighborhood in the back and taking a shortcut. I want them to know that I see them so I can identify them. So I rolled my window down, said, may I help you? They said, yes, we need a ride home. Our dad just got thrown in jail for his second DWI and his car got impounded and we're stranded. Oh, get in this thing, I'll take you home. Guess where they lived? Off 35 and Seminary in Fort Worth. So I called my wife, being the wise man that I am, to let her know I was going to be late getting home. Two hours later, I'm home. But I exercise kindness. So anytime you exercise kindness, it's going to take more than when you plan on offering. So don't think twice. Just be prepared. This is what it is. When people are in need, they're in need. Today, we're going to take the last half of that verse. Love does not envy. We talked about that last week, that if you love someone, you want what's best for them. Right? And so when the best happens to them, you're not resentful of that fact that something good happened to them. Right? Because you love them. So in reality, if I resent a brother who's done well, I really don't love him, do I? So the key to overcoming envy is to walk in love and begin to pray for God's blessing in the lives of everyone. So that when it does happen, we're not taken aback. Who receives Christmas letters? In the mail from friends. Alright, a lot of Christmas letters are filled with nothing but good things, alright? Before you open a Christmas letter, I learned last year. Before you open that thing, see who it's from and pray a really good prayer from the bottom of your heart for God's blessing in that person's life. Then open it and read it and then you can rejoice. Not experience Christmas envy, amen? Today we're going to take the last half of that verse. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not parade itself. Other translations read it like this. Love has no high opinion of itself. Love has no pride. The basic Bible. The Darby's translation says, love is not insolent and rash, is not puffed up. Love, the Good News Bible says, love is not conceited or proud. The God's Word paraphrase says, it doesn't sing its own praises. Love is an arrogant. The literal translation says, love is not vain. It is not puffed up. The Message Bible says love doesn't strut. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. The New Living says love is not boastful or proud. And the Weymouth New Testament says love is not forward and self-assertive or boastful and conceited. In the original language, basically what it says is love doesn't brag on itself. And love is not proud, prideful of itself, not boasting about how great you are or being prideful. Now, we all know that envy hinders the flow of love, right? When I brag, what am I doing? Am I trying to make people envy me? Listen to what Barnes' notes said about this text. It says, love receives its gifts with gratitude. It regards them as a gift of God and is given to employing these gifts Not in boasting, but in doing good to others on as wide a scale as possible. If good things have happened, use those things to bless, not depress. Accordingly, the man who does the most good is the least accustomed to boasting. The man who boasts may be regarded as doing nothing else. Love prevents this. It teaches us that others have good qualities as well as we and that they have gifts as well as we. And not to be vain over our blessings. Now, preaching on humility is an oxymoron for people in my field of career. Pride can mix itself with religion easier than any other sin. Really is. So my subject today is love is humble. Can we say that? Love is humble. Love is humble. Here's a preacher that needs to do something about the door to his office. There's some contradiction in his life. Love is humble. Jeremiah prophesied, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight. We can brag on each other, brag on our wives, and brag on our husbands, and brag on the Lord. But bragging on ourselves is counterproductive. It really is. If you have a shortage of friends, think, am I bragging too much? Could be a key there. This guy has that problem. My dear boy, I was practicing self-effacement before you were ever thought of. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 8 says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. There's no greater knowledge to rejoice in than knowing God. Not just about him, but knowing him. Maybe you could write a paper like no one else on earth on your theology and it be all true. But that is a poor substitute for not taking advantage of knowing God, spending time with him. Letting him speak to your heart. Humbling yourself. The Bible says there will be 30 minutes of silence in heaven. and Some have surmised that that 30 minutes is for all the experts to correct their prophecy charts. Because none of us know it all. We all have more that we can learn. And so in light of that fact, in light of the vast amount of information we have to learn, no matter how much we've learned, we've still got a whole lot more to learn. The older we get, the more we realize we've got a lot to be humble for, right? 20 years ago, an unknown writer spoke to God and heard the answers. His book became the greatest inspirational bestseller of all time, and the public has yearned to meet its reclusive author
2: been hoping to meet him. You'd hate him. Hell is other people. I actually sat in his presence. Hey, pretend person. If you're done hallucinating, I'd love a shot of being a customer in this place. You are a disaster, Arlen. It's all meaningless bull... What? Oh. Oh, my back is out! Try asking God for help.
0: Any objection to me being next? We
2: have real patient.
0: The guy had all the answers on knowing God. It's a movie coming soon to a theater near you. Not that I recommend it. That was just a preview. Don't want to get in trouble. Stay humble. Amen. Love is humble. How does pride hinder love? How does it hinder love? Let's think about this. Pride is unloving because it puts ourselves first and others last, right? Doesn't the advertising community sometimes appeal to our pride? You deserve a break today. You deserve it. I deserve it. Have it your way. Have it my way. It's all about me. Churches can be like that. Some churches don't sing this song, but in reality, this is what they're saying when they sing Amazing Grace. Me, 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 oh, I'm so spiritual, me, me. Man, it's about God's purposes in the earth and the joy we have in fulfilling those. But it's not about me, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Pride is deceptive through hiding its self-serving ways. Some of us would never be as shallow as to sing that Me, Me, Me song, but we subtly hide it. You know, I'm going to serve others knowing my turn's coming next. Be careful with that. Pride can trick us. Pride is blind because it fails to see opportunities to show love. Pride is a stronghold. We're poor, but we're proud. Pride is a stronghold that doesn't want to let go easy. Pride is what brought the devil down. Pride is a promoter and justifier of sinful attitudes and actions. It just is. You made me mad. That's why I punched you. Why did that person make me mad? Because they offended my. Pride hinders love. Here's some problems for the prideful. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife. Proverbs 28.25 says, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. What is strife? It's an unloving atmosphere. Pride will take love right out of a conversation. Just shh. How do I know? By experience. A man's pride will bring him low. It sets us up for a fall. Proverbs 16:18 says, "Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall.
1: Proverbs 11:2 says, "When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Humility is an important aspect of Christianity. That's why I'm the most humble person in the world. Seriously. There's nobody that even comes close to my level of piety. I spend four hours a day thinking about how I'm no better than anyone else. Can you beat that? I didn't think so. So I'm going to go raise the humble average while you losers lag behind with your prideful ways. Remember, in God's eyes, I'm the all-star quarterback of the humble bowl. And you're sitting the bench. These have been deep thoughts from a
0: shallow Christian. Proverbs three seven tells us, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Twenty-six twelve says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Isaiah five twenty-one begins, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. And Paul wrote in Romans twelve sixteen. do not be wise in your own opinion. Who knows the world could use a whole lot more humility. How to resist pride. Three points and I'm done. Get in touch with reality. No, I'm not going to belittle anyone. You know, there's 350 billion galaxies in the world. You're not that important. No get in touch with reality. Here's the reality I want us to get in touch with today. The older we get, the more humility we need. Humility is just not for young people who don't know anything. Humility is for those of us getting older who are learning some stuff. The older we get, the more humility we need. Look at Paul's example. 1 Corinthians 15:9, he called himself the least of the apostles. It's surmised by the experts that letter was written around 56 A.D. Ephesians 3.8, around 63 A.D., he refers to himself as the least of the saints. Now, the apostles are the leaders. He was the least of the apostles in 56 A.D. In 63 A.D., he's the least of the members of the church. Then a few years later, he says to Timothy, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Here's a guy getting older. He's the least of the apostles. Then he's the least of the saints. Then he's the chiefest of sinners. Why is that? The older we get, the more we must realize our need to grow spiritually, our need to humble ourselves, get in touch with reality. The older we get, the more humility we need. Follow Jesus Christ and his example of humility. It's not so much about, ooh, I'm not going to be prideful today. Ooh, I'm going to be nice today and just walk around with a grimace on your face of enduring pain from all these annoying people in your life who are nothing but substandard creatures. No, it's following the example of Christ. Paul told the church in Philippi, chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to talk about the humility of Jesus, how he did not consider his place in the Godhead, his deity, as something to hold on to. But he came and became a human. I mean, the only thing that can compare to that, and it really doesn't compare, is one of us choosing to become a cockroach. I mean, that would be real humility, wouldn't it? He chose to become a man. And then as a man, he humbled himself and chose to become a servant. And as a servant, he humbled himself and chose to live in that God-forsaken village called Nazareth. And as a Nazarite, he humbled himself and died the death of a criminal. And as a criminal, he humbled himself and endured torture and death and burial in a tomb that wasn't even his own. What humility. Therefore, God has chosen to exalt him and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. So in the call to be humble servants, we're not called to be that by some tyrant. But we're called to be that by a Lord who led the way. Led the way. Maybe you are in humbling circumstances. I've got some truth for you today, and it's good news, but it may seem like bad news in the short run. But in the long run, it's good news. Your crucifixion has been arranged. There's no escaping the cross in our own lives. How to resist pride. Get in touch with reality. Follow Jesus Christ. And thirdly, draw near to God. In drawing near to God, He draws near to us James wrote, chapter 4, verse 8, says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. We're going to watch a video, and then we're going to worship the Lord. Nothing helps humility to grow in our life like worship. As we magnify him, he reveals his greatness to us and our need for him. But before we do, let's watch this first.
2: You. You are just one person. You are just one of the many people here. All of us here are just a small part of the 6.8 billion people on this earth. Our actions reveal that each individual believes that the universe revolves around them. It does not. If it did, there would have to be multiple universes. They're not. You're one person on one planet, in one solar system, in one galaxy, amongst millions of other galaxies. That constitute the actual universe. The most certainly doesn't revolve around you. He, he created all this out of nothing. He shaped it all down to the tiniest detail. He formed us all of us. He made you and he is far greater than you. But he has come here to meet you. He has come to you. He formed you. he knows you, he hears you, he loves you. How do you feel about him? he is the one we've come for he is the one to whom we pray he is the one to whom we cry he is the one to whom we listen he is the one we long to know he is the one we love he is the one we worship
0: Says that we've been predestined. We say predestined. predestined. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That means God has us on a pathway to humility. He is going to deal with our pride every day of our life. Whether it's people talking to the kitchen while you're trying to preach, or crickets invading the building on Saturday night, my pride is dealt with all the time. Worship makes the journey easier. Amen. (laughs) Like, Lord, I repent of my pride. I give it to you, Lord. I humble myself before you. You are God and I am not. (laughs) You are worthy of worship and I am not. All we need is you, Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may you embrace the cross and recognize His pride-removing hand in your life when you experience it every day. In Jesus' name, all we need is You, Lord, is You, Lord.
1: God bless you.